Welcome to the Point Man Podcast. This is a mic'd up men's group of four Catholic fathers challenging each other to be the point men for their families. I am a Welcome, season four, episode three. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Sarah Denny. We're excited to to get there and, and a little background. She's a learned doctor, um, and we're really going to talk about natural family planning. So if you're watching this episode, you're going to see that we're missing our our host, Drew. Drew, who actually requested that we talk about natural family planning. I think he was scared and bowed out <laughs> of this conversation. So please don't blame him. We're not. Um, he's on the road today. He's on the road today. He's very busy. Um, but before we kick it off, let's start with our, our scripture verse. So this is uh, Genesis. The Lord God then built the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman. When he brought her to the man, the man said, This one, at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one has been taken. All right. Thank you, Jason. So before we dive in, let's do a quick check-in. So Clint, how we doing, man? I'm holding in, holding on. Uh, happy to be at the, uh, the tail end of a very busy week. A lot of dynamics this week, two sick kids. So, uh, you know, it's been uh, challenging working from home and just uh, kind of, yeah. you know, working our way through the, uh, the challenges of the week. But here we are and uh, looking forward to the weekend. Right on. Thanks. Sarah? Yeah, so I, at this moment, am excited to say I have two big events coming up. Um, I'm running my first half marathon in nine days. Nice. Pretty stoked. Um, Even bigger and way more important is I'm getting married in 29 days. Awesome. All right. Praise the Lord. To an amazing man of God. To an amazing man. I'm so grateful. He's a great guy. So that'll be the real marathon, not the half. That'll be the real marathon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I hope all the training (laughs) has prepared me for that. Yeah. Just make sure you hydrate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Check in. So we did a, uh, the kids had a fall break. So we got away for the weekend and uh, we were all crammed in a hotel room, leveraged some points and uh, they were looking for like this pack and play to be delivered for the baby didn't arrive in time so we're like baby sleeping on the bed it arrives i'm trying to put this thing together it's a lemon and just pack and plays are the worst but <laughs> trying to put it together at night keeping the baby asleep and it like catches like the inner th- between my thumb and forefinger just bleeding everywhere <laughs> feeling sorry for myself we finally get that set up get the baby in and then a couple hours later fire alarm goes off <laughs> so we're like Waking everyone up like one in the morning, going downstairs, not look. Blair team is not looking their best. <laughs> like, um, my wife doesn't mess around with fire. Like we're on the twelfth floor. She's like, we're getting out of here. I'm like trying to get keys and like phone, wallet. Everyone's out. I was like, check. So we follow the family, and uh, we show up. It's freezing outside, mm-hmm. and uh, no one has footwear. Mm-hmm. My, my 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 oldest son is like in his underwear. <laughs> like, dude, this is so. But to the hotel's credit, they were the best. Um, Hilton made it up to us. Oh, nice. Gave us the points back, upgraded us. Did, oh, praise God. I am a Hilton's fan. Yes, Even indeed. after that experience. So, <laughs> yeah, if, if you're looking at uh, between Marin and Hilton, yeah, yeah, there's a plug for Hilton. Go Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Praise God. 
We had uh, our family retreat for Will Woods um, last weekend, which went really well. Um, praise God. A uh, great turnout of families. And then uh, I just came back from Orlando from a, th- it was a three-day conference called the C-Flam. It used to be called NACFLAM, which sounds a lot like AFLAC, which I'm really <laughs> glad they changed the name. But it's uh, the Catholic Family Life Association, and they had the big conference. And it was great. Got to do a little talk out there and uh, had a little table booth talking about some of the things that we do with faith and marriage. So it was a good time. Right on, man. There is an absolute, and you know this, a war being waged right now against us and against our family. Listen to these statistics. 56% of divorces list pornography as one of the major factors leading to divorce. 56%. 60% of men in a survey said watching pornography decreased their desire to read or study God's word. C.S. Lewis said, "We what we practice not what we preach is usually our greatest contribution to conversations to others. What example are you setting for your family and community with your online behavior? If you're not personally struggling with porn, are you doing all you can to defend your family from the enemy? This is an attack that we need to, to guard our homes, to protect our families. Even if this is something that you're not struggling with, you still need, because we live in a pornographic culture, we need to guard our homes and guard our families. Lead the way for your wife and for your children by getting Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is a software that is installed across all your devices, phones, laptops, desktops, iPads, all that, and monitors your online activity and reports. Uh, there's reports that go to an accountability partner. That's the other part, great part about Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes has also blocking technology that allows you to keep the pornography off your devices. This transparency in our, be- our online behaviors fosters integrity and deepens relationships. We can't fight this alone and we need help. So you go online to Covenant Eyes. You actually, if you use the promo code POINTMAN, then you can get, uh, I think, a 30-day free trial. So check out Covenant Eyes, put in POINTMAN, get your 30-day free trial today. Awesome. Well, Dr. Sarah Denny, welcome. Thank yeah. you for having yeah. me. I'm excited to be here. So for the listeners out there, just so you don't think it's a bunch of males talking about authentic masculine, we thought it'd be refreshing to get a woman's take on the topic for this season. And maybe we just start with um, just a little bit of background. Obviously, there's a doctor in front of your your name. Um, So maybe we can just, how did you get there? You're a learned doctor. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, my story really starts, I was a freshman in college. Uh, This was 2007, 2008, and I, my plan was I'm studying biochemistry. I'm going to be pre-med. I'm going to go be a pro-life OBGYN. It's still a beautiful dream that I was having at the time, but um, you know, the Lord is so good and that he reminds us of what we don't yet know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to learn always, but especially when you're 18. And so I took a women's studies class and on the first day of class, we had to go around the room and we had to say our name, our biological sex and our gender. Now this was the spring of 08. So this wow. is a much more common thing obviously now, but my little Catholic bubble just like, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so like, my name is Sarah. I'm a woman, I am female, (laughs) okay, you know, I thought that was self-evident, okay, it's not, then I need to be clear, you know, and so it really started me on this journey of what does it mean to be a woman? Mm. Now, I was really blessed also, I mean, maybe six months prior to that, a dear friend who was the teacher at the time of all of us, like, so I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and then a lot of our guy friends went to an all-boys Catholic high school, and they were brother-sister school, so for campus ministry events, we would get together and 
um, this great guy, Rock Gernon, he started giving us like a little deep dive into theology of the body. And I remember leaving. I mean, he maybe talked about it for 10 minutes, but whatever he said, I was hooked because I borrowed from someone the theology of the body for beginners. And I remember my dad driving me home from track practice and like I was reading the book, which is an odd thing to do like in the car. So I was doing that. And um, fast forward to this women's studies class, that was the only thing I could think of that when I had heard it and when I started reading it, that I didn't feel defensive, Mm. if that makes sense, as a woman. And so I kind of use that as my sanity piece. You know, I'd read these crazy, super intense, I think way too graphic works that I had to read for class. Mm. And then in my spare time, I would go read Letter to Women or Mulier Sunitatem. And... You know, it sounds kind of silly, but I've told people since 2008, I'm like, if I'm ever on a desert island and I'm stuck by myself and I can bring one thing to read besides scripture, I'm like, I'm bringing this document that JP2 wrote, the encyclical on women, because every time I read it, I feel hopeful, you know, which there's a lot of things we can read that convict us of truth. But this was an experience of there's this man who wrote these things and it's not just for me, it's for every woman, but the reality is it provided me what felt like a free space that I wasn't boxed into to be a good woman, to be holy. I have to be one way. It just mm. kind of shattered that, mm. you know? Um, so that began me on this journey where I realized very quickly, well, I started to go to free lunches and I was like, I'm going to change this program from the inside out. I'm going to change my major to women's studies. And then very quickly I realized how much I don't know. Thank God. That was such his mercy. And I was like, okay, well maybe I should figure out what it means to be a woman before I tell everyone else what it means to be a woman. <laughs> And I chalk it up to the Holy Spirit, but a lot of doors opened up. Uh, this gentleman, amazing guy, Dr. Chris Baglow, who some of yes. you know, he was in charge of the theology department at a local college at the time, and he kept calling me, wanting me to be in his program. And originally I was like, no. And then I was like, actually. And I felt like the Lord himself at one point, you know, it's not like God speaks to me like, Sarah, do this right. thing. You know, yeah. I wish it were that way. That would be way easier. <laughs> I got this memo. Yeah. Great. Very <laughs> Thanks. clear. Thanks for the text message, Lord. <laughs> um, but I felt this really clear sense of the Lord. And you know how simple he can be? You yeah. know, like we kind of, at least me, I overcomplicate it often. Yes, true. But I feel like the Lord, you know, he himself was letting me know in some way like, hey, I made woman. So how about you ask me like mm-hmm. what it means to be a woman? And so from that point forward, I was like, oh, you're right. Okay, maybe that's where I should start. So that's why I transferred to study theology and philosophy. And that just began me on this trajectory. Uh, my love has still remained to be medicine. I grew up with a mom who, she just retired after 50 years, but she was a nurse anesthetist in labor and delivery. So oh. I grew up around conversations about babies and the medical realities and things like that. Um, and, you know, as I grew up, I still had that love for in some way not letting go of the sciences you know and and i felt this real the best word i can use is i've always felt called to be a bridge Mm. so whether that's a bridge between the laity and the clergy Mm. or a bridge between men and women you know um or a bridge between you know the science really and faith Mm -hmm. that's where i really start to come alive because for me i think and it's just the the gifts lord has given me through a lot of other people like we do stand on the shoulders of giants but simultaneously, about a year or two after I transferred to study theology, I was doing a lot of work with a group called Women's New Life Clinic. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the women there. They've known me since I was 18. And, Fantastic um, group. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I could talk for a whole other hour about that, but I'll save that for another <laughs> time. But so I was blessed, like eventually got to do paraprofessional counseling with them and, um, 
you know, I got to do like baby bottle campaigns. So I was able to see woman's experience in a sense from the inside, mm-hmm. you know, not just, you know, okay, we should help women in crisis pregnancies, but like, what does that actually look like mm-hmm. yeah. in the day to day? Like, and why does a woman even consider that, you know, a woman must have some like weighty reasons that she would even be asking the question. And unless I give her room to really kind of wrestle with that, like, I'm not loving her if I just say no, like, don't even consider, you know, whatever might be coming up in her heart. So anyway, at one point, though, also, the woman who was in charge, they had just started teaching Creighton model, which is a method of fertility awareness. And they asked me if I wanted to start charting. And this was 2009. So I started charting. And at the end, they do this whole kind of section on communication between spouses. And I wasn't married yet. I wasn't even dating anyone. But me and the, the woman who was teaching me, we just had great conversations about theology of the body. That's really what it became. We would just talk about right. TOB as we're talking about my chart. And so it really ignited in me this like, oh my gosh, like there's a way that these worlds can come together. Yeah. And so eventually after getting my master's, I went and I started studying for my PhD in bioethics through Regina Apostolorum in Rome. And my research for my dissertation focused on putting John Paul II, who was my hero, and Margaret Sanger, who for good reasons also gets a bad rap, but I wanted to understand why did she go down the path that she Mm. went down. And I knew that there had to be more than meets the eye, you know, that there had to be behind her battle cry were suffering women. And so I wanted to kind of get into that Mm. space, that interior with those women. And so I did my best to bring them together into a place of finding where can we find common ground and then where do they diverge? Um, but ultimately to argue that we really need to educate our young women on their bodies, on, on truth, but empower them through knowledge. You know that just as God the Father respects us in our freedom, that we want to respect human beings in their freedom. We want to respect young women in their freedom, but we can't even really respect their freedom unless we give them the truth about how they've been created and the purpose for which they've been designed. Wow. So that so, conversation, sorry, that, that conversation that you kind of play out between John Paul II and uh, Margaret Sanger, the in like how you you imagine that, um, it's it's interesting because when you bring up Margaret Sanger, and at least it, it's almost like you like don't even like mention her name. Oh like, yeah. Like why would you even waste your time? Like like this is this person is, and we can list all the things that are wrong that Margaret mm-hmm. Sanger did and all that. But and. and- and I'm sorry for the for the benefit of the listener. Who yeah, is please. Margaret Sanger? Yeah, yeah. So Margaret Sanger is essentially she's the woman who started Planned Parenthood. Now, what we know Planned Parenthood to be today, I would actually argue that some of the things they do, I don't know that she would have agreed with, mm-hmm. but she opened the first birth control clinic in New York City, which was the first birth control clinic in the United States. They had one maybe in the Netherlands at that time, and this was 1918. And so at that time, it was also illegal to put into the mail any kind yeah. of diagrams related to biology. So even when I teach my clients with FEM and Creighton model, that would have been illegal for me at the time to share because the way that the law was written, because of a gentleman who had really come from more of a, a, an extreme Puritan background, mm-hmm. um, it was written so that these things were classed as pornographic. So women would go to their doctors, they would be on their fifth or sixth baby, they'd be 30, they'd be struggling with mental health issues because also she was dealing with a largely immigrant population and they were just really working hard to make ends meet and feed their kids. So the reason why they were asking questions was valid. But then, you know, she tells this story of one of her patients who the doctor was in the room and Margaret was in the room because Margaret was a nurse. And um, this woman asked the doctor, like, can you please tell me, like, how can I stop from having another baby? And the doctor looked at the woman and said, tell your husband to sleep on the roof. 
Wow. And I, as a woman, when I read that, I'm like, I'm fired up, you know, like I'm like, yeah. I'm on Margaret's team right now. So, yeah, you know? right, right. And look, just transparency, like yeah. I'm here and I'm presenting it very <laughs> yeah, calmly. Yeah. Yes, but yes. like when I get fired up, y'all, like <laughs> I get fired up. So, <laughs> and it's, so. It, you know, you, we think natural family planning, everyone should know what that means. But it's funny, like I went to a Catholic grade school, yeah. um, had the benefit of going to a public high school, gang, gang. And then <laughs> but when I got married, um, you know, we started practicing natural family planning because we had two kids back to back and mom was like, Hey, I think let's, let's do, you know, natural family planning. I was like, all right. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> and then we started going into the paces. I'm pretending like I understand what's even happening. And I'm like, babe, what is going on? You know, and I'm just getting <laughs> fired up. She's like, you're not cooperating. I was like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think a lot of guys, literally you start mentioning charting and it's like, what is and you want me to do what? Yeah. And so I think part of this is an education piece. Absolutely. I think part of it is understanding the beauty, mm -hmm. the the self sacrifice, the coming together. There's so much to unpack here. And I'm like, okay, where do we where do we start here? <laughs> but I know Clint's over there. He's probably wondering like, what book would I have on a desert island? You know. So maybe <laughs> you want to answer that because Sarah shared hers. I don't have an answer for that. You gotta think about it. I was thinking Soul of the Apostle. Soul of the Apostle. Mm. That was the first one that kind of came to mind. That's so a good one. I have, to, I have to think about that. You can't yeah. put me on the spot for that. That's one. fair. I need to think about that. <laughs> all right, I'll no, come back. Or maybe that's to go fair. back with the theology of the body itself, all the five yeah. years of those yeah. presentations, and yeah. really sit with that a bunch. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but how long am I on the desert island for? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's, <laughs> I never thought about let's it, continue. <laughs> so this is important, right? So uh, we need to get more mm -hmm. into natural family planning. What that is, what it's not. It's some people think it's like, well, it's Catholic version of birth control. What's the what's the whole like a point about you know waiting and then just taking something like what's the the, the there's a blurred line for people about the morality between the two mm -hmm. um, doing it and not doing it for uh, doing something else but also too I want to get back so I want to answer that if we can and then also want to get back to the discussion between Margaret Sanger and John Paul too that you brought together because I think the problem and this is my problem in parenting especially with my older ones, is that I just don't have time to listen. You just need to listen to me, right? And so then if, if, if my kids aren't feeling heard, regardless of whether I, I know what they're going to say or not, mm -hmm. if they're not going to be heard, then they're not going to listen to me. Right. Like, cause I'm not listening to them. Mm -hmm. At least they don't feel that way. Right. And so there's something valid about really understanding. And actually what I, if I, if I am honest, it's when I am, I think I know what they're saying. But there's something else when they're saying something to me that I need to listen more and be more attentive to and to be respond as father better to them so that they can we can build that relationship, build that trust, because the law is not going to move the needle for them, but love will. Mm -hmm. And I need if they want to follow the law of whatever command I'm saying, if it's absent of love, they're rebelling. Mm -hmm. No, and that's I think that's a really great point. I think it's essential to this conversation, anything having to do with natural family planning, because you know, even in my work, what I discovered was Margaret Sanger, she had read Cassie Kinubi, which came out yeah, in 1930. 30. And she, in response to that, basically wrote like a letter to the Pope. I'm sure he never saw it. But she said, you know, how about before you write something like this, you come out of your ivory tower mm -hmm. and you walk in the streets with like real people who have suffered and who have tried to live out, wow. you know, just how they're even able to plan their families, you know. And so yeah. I think there's this place of Essential what we're talking about is every human person desires to be loved and seen and chosen. And regardless of what our family situations are, because obviously on this side of heaven, there is brokenness and there is mourning and there is difficulty mixed in and intermingled with the joys and the triumphs, you know, but we're trying to provide a space like you're describing, Jason, like you're trying to provide a space that's home. 
Yeah. And home is safe and home is consistent and home is a place I can come back to as I spread my wings, right, in young adulthood. And it doesn't look perfect for any family, you know, and there's no two families. I think you really can't compare it. Just right. like any love story can't be compared. But essentially what you're talking about is providing a place and a space where encounter can be had. Yes. Now, when you're dealing with teenagers, I mean, I've taught high school girls, like you try asking them certain questions. If they're not in the mood to talk, they will make sure you know that, you know, <laughs> and like, okay, that's not the time. But if you provide, if the space is consistent when they're not even realizing it, that's when you, yeah. I mean, y'all know this more than I do, but as parents, you're like, ooh, wow, Lord, look at how you designed that conversation. Yeah. I tried planning it and yes, that blew yes. up in my face, you yeah. know? And yeah, so agreed. there's this patience to the spirit that is not my forte. That's why it's the spirit and I have to ask mm. the spirit to lead me so much, you know? And even in these conversations, I cannot tell you the number of men and women I've met you know, where it's not appropriate for me to be like, oh, well, you should you should chart your cycle so that you can practice NFP, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but I can tell you there was a huge number, you know, sometimes to, to write because it was a 400 page paper, essentially is what the dissertation was. And I just was trying not to lose my mind. So <laughs> I'd go to a coffee shop and just like tune out everything else. But I was around human beings. I couldn't talk to them. I didn't have time, right. but I could be around them, you yes, know. Yeah. But when I would be ordering coffee, let's say the barista, they might ask you, oh, what are you doing? And I'd say, oh, I'm working on this dissertation. And like, you know, you have a sound bite. So right, right, right. I would just say, oh, they're like, what are, what are you, you know, focusing on? I would say, well, you know, I really believe when I empower women with knowledge starting at a young age about the gift of their body so that they have the freedom to choose what they do with their bodies. I didn't have one barista that was like, okay. They were like, wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, no um, one's saying boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's about finding those places of common ground. And again, it doesn't mean that we're all going to agree on everything. But it's to be unafraid that dialogue essentially is impossible if I'm refusing to listen to the other party, you yeah. know? And and I can't go in there, and this is the best way I can explain this, and this is great because y'all record at a coffee shop, but the image I had, which is from the Lord, yeah. was of John Paul II and Margaret Sanger getting coffee. And they were sitting across the table from one another, and they were getting coffee to talk about these really important issues because both of them, when they started their work, they want what's best for women. Now, eventually they're going to disagree on what is best for women, but right. they want freedom for women. They want love for women. They want, essentially they want women to be able to choose mm -hmm. in their life path and be creative with their yeah. giftedness, you know? And I remember I started with Margaret Sanger because that was the first part of my dissertation. And I mean, some of the stuff she would write, y'all, it was like, I'd have to go to adoration because mm -hmm. it's heavy. You know, she's, she's in the, the, like mess up. She's on the front lines with women and their suffering and men who were writing on behalf of their wives in the early 1900s that they even want to look out for their wives. Like, what do we do now? You know, and I would get fired up like, okay, she just said this crazy thing. Like JP two, don't you want to respond? Like, yeah. just tell, like tell her. And I felt like John Paul II was being quiet. And I'm like, I mean, I'm fired up. Like, are you not fired up? And yeah. I felt like the Lord just gave me this sense that John Paul II was like, we have to give her her due. Like you have to allow her to speak. Yeah. Like oh, if yeah. I'm here just like planning how I'm going to convert her or change right. her mind, like the man dealt with communists, like he was really capable of like holding the yeah. tension, you know, mm. which is hard for me personally. I want it all to be, you know, easy yeah. and pretty and it's yeah. messy. Like the truth can stand on its own. That's yeah. what I continue to learn is that the truth can stand on its own. So it's not my job to convince an other of the truth, but it is my job to love them and to offer it to them the best way that I can, which per the person and the conversation, it's going to look unique. So yeah. did, did Margaret have, what was her foundation in faith? Oh, 
she had an Irish Catholic mother and a father who was anti-Catholic vehemently. Okay. And she was one of, and now I'm forgetting the number, but it was like 10 or 11 or 12 children. Her mother had tuberculosis. So with each pregnancy, that was sort of exacerbated. Her mother died when Margaret was probably 19 or 20 years old. She had gone back to the house to help take care of the younger siblings. And there was a huge space of resentment. And she grew up with a father who was so anti the church that she really, in a sense, imbibed those things. Mm. But granted, you know, I mean, she would have Catholics and I would read the letters. They would write her letters like, you know, Margaret, um, you know, your parents should have used birth control on you. Like, I mean, people say crazy. I'm like, gosh, y'all, like if we're Christian, what are you saying? So there was a lot of hurt. And for her... You know, one person I think had written her a letter and I remember reading it and they were like, you know, I'm praying for your, your conversion. And she was like, how about you pray for the number of Catholic women that come seek me out because you're not helping them. Yeah. And I'm like, shoot. So she was very, she thought the Catholic church specifically was the enemy, you know, Mm. and that's something I can't deny for sure. That's what happened. But yeah, it's interesting too. Like, so this is the 1900s and then you fast forward 70 years and the big popular magazine that was hitting you know, ma- magazines back in the day didn't make a ton of money. It's kind of like break even. Mm-hmm. But what um, where you make a lot of money is ads. Right. And yeah. Cosmopolitan started advertising for, you know, the, um, I guess, the, the pro-choice kind of camp. And they became very financially, you know, successful. And so a lot of other young women magazines started copying that that playbook. And if you look at the narrative in the Cosmopolitan magazines at that time period, um, it's like, hey, if you want to be a successful woman, you know, you can do anything except be a mother. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, that was generations, decades, you know. So then you see this kind of, this is coming out of the sexual revolution in the 60s. And then now it's like, how do I not have another baby? Now the knowledge perhaps is there, perhaps not, depending on the foundation, but the narrative is certainly there don't have kids Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know the pendulum's always swinging oftentimes to extremes and i think right now we're looking at is there's a and this i think is just a human struggle i think we're constantly struggling with dichotomous thinking of either or you know either be a mom or be successful with a career and i personally you know when just to be honest and sharing like if someone asks me you know what's the thing that you're the most afraid of in marriage it's it's not a fear in terms of like oh i'm scared of cowering but more like ooh, i don't know how that's going to work is that <laughs> like i know i have these gifts to offer the world mm-hmm. and i feel very called to do that but i also feel called to and i'm excited to enter into this space of real physical motherhood god willing and i'm like gosh i do not know how in practical reality those things will come together in me you know but there's this truth piece as well to and Margaret Sanger's time in the 1910s, the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s, and as you go on, you know, the thing is, is that women, even with their dreams and their desires, when they are pregnant, it's a much different experience for them yeah. than for men. Like the, the physical cost, the mental cost, the emotional mm-hmm. cost, right? And not to say that, oh, then that's not worth the burden that that is, but John Paul II talks about, and this is where, again, they could meet, is John Paul II acknowledge we have to see and and make clear that women do take the burden of pregnancy and we can't take away from the fact that it is a burden you know and so there's this space of in my creative freedom as a woman there are choice points that we all have like consistently men and women but for women that it's a it's a tight space sometimes when you're really trying to figure out like what's the best next step you know and and even for me like i'm getting married at 34 do i think i would have been able to get a phd 
if I had been married at 24? Right. And my answer, honestly, is no. At least not the one that I got. Not the way that I was able to write it. Now, granted, I'm on the other side. I'm like crying out to the Lord, like, Lord, please provide. Like, yes. come on. But again, I think that was the Lord's mercy and the gifts he's given me that I also, you know, different friends of mine when they were 16, 17, like, I just want to be married. And yeah. I would go and read St. Gian and be like, I mean, I do want to be married, but like, <laughs> I have some other things too that I feel like the Lord's, you know. So there's a beauty in his mercy and his timing. Yes. And I 100% believe in that. 100%. Um, and it's not to take away from that there's this narrative that's going on that's really pushing. Like mm -hmm. you have to choose between. And if you want to have these other things, you have to exclude motherhood. Mm -hmm. But I think it's to give a space for listening to that the struggle is real, that for women, you know, and there is, and every woman is aware of her biological window. You yeah. know, like we, I, I experience it monthly, that yeah. there's something within my body that's like changing, preparing for the potential of, but I know innately that that's not a forever thing, mm. you know? And so it can create this really intense tension where women are, they feel backed into a corner often and having to choose, which is why things are blowing up in the fertility industry, more of a secular speak, I would say, but, you know, with freezing your eggs, you know, mm. like all of these options are really, we really can do so much, like the research into artificial wombs and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but before I go into all that, to kind of bring it back to this conversation, I would say, you know, we we aren't trying to say to women as Catholics, hey, you need to get married at this age, you yeah. need to have this number of kids, you need to do it like this. And But I think growing up, even I was blessed, the group that I grew up around, you know, but I had to even realize that that wasn't the Lord speaking that over me. If those voices ever came in, mm -hmm. that might've been some people's lived experience and that's beautiful and that's good, but that my vocation as Sarah is a unique call as a daughter of the father and that I have to bring that question to him, you yeah. know? But when you have couples and they're living it, like I can't answer the question of, man, how am I going to integrate my giftedness with the world and my motherhood? I don't know yet, you yeah. know, and I won't be able to know until I'm living it. But, you know, the friends of mine that they might be on baby three or four and like they're tired and they're exhausted. Yes. It's like you, the, the reverence I realized through my work that I have to give each individual couple. And when I'm speaking to couples is like, all I can give you are the tools in terms of the science. Mm -hmm. But the two of you have to bring this question to the Lord. Like no one can answer or judge. Like I'm my brother's keeper, but I'm not my brother's judge. Yeah. You know, of how they're even using the method or the system because there's health issues, there's financial issues. Like, does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great point. And I'd love to just kind of go around the room here. Like going back to one thing you said on the burden piece, mm. you know, like I think that's a great... Um, point to maybe unpack because that is true. I mean, a woman's vulnerable. Um, she has to oftentimes maybe even step away from a career mm -hmm. um, during that time period or especially as it gets closer to the due date. But I also think this is where the, the tie in with authentic masculinity plays because it could be, and it's definitely seen for guys too as a burden mm. because now we have, the guy has to step in there and say, I'm not leaving. Like I'm committed to your safety, your well-being, your protection, the baby's protection, providing, protecting mm -hmm. financially with a shelter, all of those things. Like, and you see a lot of the narrative on the, on the side of the men for the younger generations, like don't, you don't, you don't have time for that. Like if you want to be successful, don't, don't get married. Don't like, it's a, it's a burden on you commitment, sleep with as many women as possible, get rich, get powerful you know, yeah. you, who has time for a family? Mm -hmm. And so I think this is where both have to come together. Like you're saying, ask the Lord, like, okay, we have a family. 
And this is where the sacrament of marriage is important to unpack. This is where commitment, and this is also to your point on, okay, if you're going to pursue natural family planning, if you feel like the Lord's calling you there, what is it? And then where does the guy, how does the guy cooperate? Mm. You know, because I think, and Clinton, you've, I'm going to pass the baton here. Like, you've shared it, like, changed your life, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we've been doing it for many years now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a total game changer for our marriage. I mean, in terms of our intimacy and, and just our closeness, it's been wonderful. Um, and, you know, we've never had, like, a crazy scare, right? Like... The, the, the plan works, like the charting works. It's, 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 it's I mean, and I, I think that um, some men view it as a barrier or as a, um, you know, a limitation. Mm-hmm. And it's really not. Um, it, it's, it's, we, we, me and my wife ha- are able to um, make plans and plan around um, our, the, our schedule. And it's, I don't know, like it, it just, it, um, it's just this wonderful way of uh, that we get to share together, and it, it does require that the man is all in. Yeah, because it, it's got to move from that burden to there is a joy. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that sa- it is a, there's a sacrifice, but when you you push through that, yeah. you're like, okay, we're in this together. I think it becomes a joy versus seeing it as a burden. A, f- a friend of mine yeah. said, uh, you know, like natural family planning is a is a school and a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's meant to be uh, something that's going to help and bless the couple in their relationship of being able to give one another and to be in, in control, like to be a gift. I, I was at a, the conference and uh, Damon Owen spoke and he said, you know, you have to have self-knowledge to self-possession to then be a self-gift. And I feel like this is all part of that journey in understanding yourself, being in possession of yourself. You're not doing something out of uh, compulsion or just uh, insecurity or whatever the emotion. It's it's a possession of self to authentically give oneself away. And Sarah, you had mentioned like the science piece. Like mm-hmm. I think there's something beautiful too. Like you know, at Catholic school you might get sex education. You know, you're like that. The learning doesn't stop in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Like. The, my mind is blown and, and the anatomy and, yeah. and the physiology of the, the makeup of a human person, male and female. And I would love to just maybe pass it, but like, okay, the beauty of the science, the beauty of the education. Like, yeah. I think a lot of natural family planning also, you, you get to see the glory of God. Like, yeah. whoa. I mean, just Yeah, I mean, and, and to run with that, I mean, I can tell you, so based on what you just said, I mean, it, reality, you might get sex ed. <clears throat> You might not, mm-hmm. you know, and what kind of sex that are you getting? And right now, even the way that they've written the documents in the United States, it's gone from sex ed, sex ed, sex ed, to now it's sexuality ed, sexuality mm-hmm. ed. So there, and I'm telling you, there's subtle changes. I'm trying to watch the documents to see what year do we actually start kind of unanimously changing this, but that's the reality that we're living. And I think the best way that we can find this sort of common ground is to go into the science. Now, there's also another piece of this, which is that, you know, one of my favorite books I read um, was on the reality of sex education. It's called When Sex Goes to School. And it was a sociologist, no religious affiliation. And she basically explains that why don't we just tell teenagers the truth is that none of us actually agrees when it comes to sex education because we're actually debating about values, mm. not about the science as much. It's We agree that this is what the science might say, but our values are like, what does it mean to be mother? What is my primary mm. value? Motherhood, the home career right it's it's we all have the values might be similar in the sense of they use the same title but do i 
give to it the same meaning, right? They're not equivocal like across mm-hmm. all the all the, the audiences that you might be speaking to. And for me, I would say, so my work is, you know, and if this would be, you know, now I'm getting married in three weeks, so not for the next two months. But <laughs> in the spring, I'm hoping to restart again this space and place. And if listeners want to pray for me, or if you know anyone that wants to fund this project, <laughs> let me know, is I really want to get into the high schools. You know, I've written most of a curriculum for high school girls. I got to pilot it two years ago. All the girls were charting their cycles for three months. Wow. Now, are they going to keep charting? Probably not. But the reality is, if and when they do decide to get married one day, and if they go through marriage like prep, I know I've already given them something that they can then fall back onto mm. that they've learned because my experience as a create model practitioner, and then even as a woman about to get married, I realize that we put these conversations where we do because you can't just jump into intimacy without getting to know the couple. Yeah. But I can't tell you the number of times I would have a couple call me and the bride would say, you know, father so-and-so said, I need to call you about NFP. Okay, well, when's your wedding? It's in a month. Oh, wow. And I have a month to teach a woman in the most stressful time of her life, at least oh, one of the right, most stressful right, times, right? right, right about changes. her cycle. Yeah, right. Right. One cycle, if we're lucky, and then that she's supposed to have confidence and he's supposed to have confidence. So this education piece, that's my, I agree with you. My argument is it's essential. And again, it goes back to, so I see, you know, when, when I say, I call it an integrated sex education. I'm offering mm-hmm. it as like a third way. It's not comprehensive sex education right. where here's the condom, here's the pill, you know, and I can talk about those things. I don't need to deny the reality. It's also not abstinence only like, no, 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 no. It's, hey, I'm well aware that some of you at every school, Catholic or public, some of you are already engaging in sexual activity. So let's talk about the reality of how your bodies work. Yeah. And if I'm going to let you drive a car or if I'm going to let you have this cell phone, I'm already giving you power. Your bodies have so much power. So let me give to you the truth so that you can choose accordingly. I knew that some of my girls were continue choosing the behavior patterns that they'd been having, but I also knew that at least I was challenging them in a way that oftentimes they're not being challenged in the culture, you know? Mm. And I think if we can start, I see it not as just, you know, oh, it's sex education, but I really think it's also, it's vocation preparation. I don't care what vocation they're called to, because the reality is, you know, some of them are going to be waiting longer than others. Some of them who knows how their vocations will work out. I know that all of them will suffer the cross because yeah. that's how the Lord calls us to himself. Ultimately with the resurrection, of course, but if they're going to get to those hard places, the way that I can best equip them to give tools in their toolbox is to educate them on yeah. how their bodies work. And the number of women that are on the pill for 10, 15 years, they get off of it. No one's ever told them the deleterious effects it can have on their mental health, emotional health, their physical health, increases in these kind of cancers and yep. Any number of things, right? That could be a whole nother podcast. But those facts and details, again, I mean, some of my girls would get angry when I would bring up these things because they are on the pill because mom and dad took them to the doctor and everyone's trying to do the best that they can. It's not to demonize anyone. It's the reality that this science, it's out there, but it's it's taking off, but it's a slow moving reality because there's a lot of values in the medical system that are also coming against what we would say is actually better medicine for women. And I'm going to forget this point and it's kind of a tangent, but I really want to make sure I go back to it from what we were talking about before. If, you know, I think mostly men are probably listening to this podcast. If I could offer to you the reason why you should consider... NFP and I'll I'll broaden it to you know we're moving into talking about fertility awareness based methods because we want people to see it not just as family planning but also as the the larger view of its its reproductive health but holistically for your wife or for your daughters or for your sisters right because you know the number of women 
that are on antidepressants, mm. right? And it doesn't mean that for all women, they shouldn't be on it, but there's a subset that they're on antidepressants because their progesterone drops out at the last part of their cycle. And because they aren't able to stay, and that's not their fault, that's what their body's doing, but they don't even realize that there's bioidentical progesterone they could be taking. I mean, I had a client who came off of antidepressants completely. She kept talking to her counselor, they weaned right. her off at an appropriate right. So working with other people, of course, within like a support system. But she had two kids and has since never had to go back on because of the support that bioidentical progesterone was able to give her. Right. So this is where science yeah. like comes in and it complements the body. Right. That is what reveals to the world like God's magnificence. Yeah. Right. Like within our bodies, there's such a great potential. And the glory of God is man fully alive. Amen. And the glory of God in and through woman is that woman is fully alive. Anyone you talk to. When you give them truth, right, they light up. I mean, when I would tell these high school girls, 17, 18 years old, about their body, some of them, I mean, there's like a, ooh, that's, whoa, that's weird, Miss Danny. Like, yeah. wait, what? Our bodies do what? You know, but it's like, this is so cool. All of them would leave. I mean, I had a student who went to the doctor and the OB was trying to put her on the pill because of an issue she was having. And I was so proud of her. She was like, I don't want to be on the pill. And the doctor was like, well, then your other option is Tylenol. She's like, that's not my only option. And she's like, how do you know that? She's like, my religion teacher told me it's not my <laughs> only option. I'm like, you told her that? She's like, yeah. And then I told her that I've been charting my cycle. And the doctor is like, you are? How did you learn that? She's like, in religion class. And she's like, what school do you go to? You know, and it was just this comical thing. But then I was able to send her to a doctor that was able to look at her yes. from within. And so yeah. the point I'm trying to make, gentlemen, is this. I tell people that think of the chart. So when I say chart, a woman, she monitors her biomarkers. It could be cervical mucus. It could be cervical mucus plus temperature, her basal body temperature shift. It could be a number of things. But let's just say cervical mucus for a second. She sees it on the tissue when she goes to the bathroom. Everyone goes to the bathroom multiple times a day. Okay, great. It's not some extra step. I mean, it is in the sense of pay attention, but it's not like you now have to go to the bathroom today. Oh, we are right. going to do that. You know, right. take that information and track it in the yeah. app, on paper, whatever it might be. Not all apps are created alike, but that's another conversation. And when you do that, you start to see patterns. And when a woman is given the reality of her body, mm -hmm. the number one statement I've heard women say is, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. I'm like, no, you're not yeah. crazy. But you're biochemically like cycling. That's why it's called a cycle. Your hormones are ebbing and flowing in ways that are appropriate for you. That affects everything. It's not just reproductive system. It's also your mental and emotional health, right? Mm -hmm. And so I say, this is her biological diary. And I had a college student one time, so I've given a lot of talks and it's to men and women at different points, just depending. And, and he wasn't asking the question out of, you know, trying to prove something. He really just genuinely wanted to know. He's like, why should I care about this? And I said, because just as on a physical level, this is a biological diary. So too, the physical reveals to us the deep reality of the spiritual realm and the gift of who this woman is in your life. So it's like a window into her mm -hmm. as she lives that day. Because right, if I'm charting, I can't tell you next week what my fertility is going to be. I mean, in a sense I can because I've charted for 12 years, but it's probably going to be. But I cannot tell you, right, on November 18th when I get married, it's definitively this thing. Right. I have to live in the present moment. Charting forces all of us as men and women to live as God invites us, which is that God is in the present moment. I can only discern in the present moment. I can only receive his grace in the present moment. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like where time and eternity meet. And to go a little bit even deeper, what I found in John Paul II and in my research was this, and it's that charting, think of it as the tangible, practical reality. Like, like I can hold the chart in my hand or I can at least look at the app that invites you as men 
to come to see and understand and really encounter to get to know the interior life of your wives. The interiority of the woman. The reason why John Paul II spoke against contraception, it's not because it's it's natural that he said that fertility awareness methods are better. Like, yes, they're natural. Yes, they're healthier. That's also a plus. But he said it's because it does not reduce women to an object. Instead, when we allow women to chart their cycles and to live in reality how God has designed their bodies, then you as men are allowing them a space to live and move and breathe as the gift that she is without telling her she has to change to fit what you want her to be in that moment. Does that make sense? And like, there's such a, a depth. Like, and I think that's what we could all rally around. Like the feminists of every kind could rally around is, don't you want to know what more women can do for the world? Like I do. I think we've yet, there's still so much untapped. But if we're going to get to that, then we need to allow her to be who she is. And this interior world the best way I can explain that we can access that, at least from one angle, right? It's not going to encompass the totality of her, but it's an important part is you can come to know your wife's heart yeah. and her feelings and her desires when you're open to this way of living. Because the difference is if she's on the pill, do you have to have the conversation that often of if you want another child, if it's time to have another child, why you shouldn't have another child? You don't really have to. I mean, it, Honestly, I don't know how people do it because for me, I mean, I'm just planning a wedding and it's crazy. I can't imagine like, should we have a baby? Should we not have a baby? And there's five babies that are over here and they all need these different things, right? Life is so crazy and it's beautiful. But at the same time, when a woman and a man are charting, it demands of them that they look each other in the eyes and they live in reality of what is Lord calling us to now? Yeah. Gosh, that's beautiful. And I, I, I think the connection I'm making, I'm going to go around the room here is, I think that mirrors also the relationship the Lord wants to have with us. Amen. Oh you my know? gosh. Yeah. I, I think what natural family plane does, like you said, it lives in the reality versus this comfort at arm's length, mm -hmm. you know, just keep it comfortable. We don't really want to engage in conversation. Okay. We're done watching Netflix. All right. Let's head to the bedroom. You know, it's like, Hey, how was your day? You know, yeah. like, let's have a conversation. How are you? And I think the same Lord wants to engage us like in prayer, like, Hey, Amen. I'm here. You know, well, I don't want, I don't just want a Sunday relationship with you. Yeah. You know? And um, I, I think too, sorry, I have so many no, thoughts. Yeah, I don't want to cut it. you off. You know, I was giving this talk one time and I also, I want to be very careful to not overdo the analogies. You know, sometimes you can kind of weird people out and I myself, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a bit too far. <laughs> but I think again, right? The physical is revealing the spiritual to us. You know, if I take a woman's chart and you look at it as a circle, right? There's, there's times where she is like, just, oh my gosh, everything is great. And there's times where she's like, oh my gosh, like this hurts or feeling overwhelmed or whatever it might be. And when you look at the liturgical calendar, what do you see? Like yeah. the Lord calls us to mm -hmm. a season of suffering wow. and offering up. The Lord calls us to a season of rejoicing. I mean, if woman, right? And that's why we call the church feminine, Mm -hmm. It's because within her, she holds the reality that life is full of seasons. And God the Father has ordained it such that we become who we are as men and women when we're faithful to reality. Like John Paul II, that was the acting person. And we could talk about that, love and responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just going to geek out over all those <laughs> things. But his point, right, is that man is never most fully like obvious to be man. And I mean man and woman right? As much as when we give of ourselves in love, right? Mm -hmm. When we choose through our will, right? I know myself, I possess myself, 
And then I choose through that freedom and through my will to give a gift of myself, right? And then through offering that gift of myself, it's this crazy, like, of course, the Lord is full of paradoxes. I receive back, right? The gift of who I am. And then in a marriage, I mean, that's explosive. And like the best, I mean, that's that's essentially a new Pentecost. Like that's what every marriage is called to be, right? And so I think that's the invitation consistently is like, are we willing to go? And look, this is a risk. Like love demands a risk. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you want the quote adventure, like to to pull the buzzword, you know, but really, I mean, the greatest adventure, it's not always the mountaintop. I mean, I would love let's all build tents on the mountaintop. That would be great, (laughs) you know, but the greatest adventure and it, it, I don't say it to say a woman or a man, but specifically I'm thinking of the women in my life for now and even what I'll be called to in the future. You know, it's not beautiful and fun and like people are like it's not sexy when you're like changing diapers and like you're just like oh my gosh i just stepped in the baby's poop like yeah like it it's hard you know however again it's seasons you know like the 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 often the ebb and the flow of the season and then receiving and re-realizing and the parents realizing oh my gosh i just yelled at my kid and that was totally my stuff and then you yeah. apologize you know like there's a never a oh my gosh you screwed this up and you you can't this is why i tell couples i'm like to me when we talk about nfp it's not about here, I gave you this one talk and now you should just go out and do it. It's mm. you might try and then you might fail and then you might go to confession. I'm like, welcome to the human race. Yeah. But you're trying, you know? And, and I think, you know, I had one client and I asked her permission to share this story. This was years ago, but she had come to me. They started charting. They got married. They got a little stress. They got on the pill. Mm. She came to me crying about like six to nine months after that. She said, I know that he loves me. I know that he doesn't want to use me. Like, I know it. I have no doubt in my mind. She said, but in the experience, she said, love making changes. Like it changes because we can just do it all the time. And it's sort of like, it just, it robs it of what I knew there could be because of what I've experienced before. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, there's stories in our, our married couples retreats of couples who, um, thinking that they could get on the pill and f- even found a, a particular priest to kind of say, well, you know, you've, you've paid your dues, you've had your kids, uh, you, it's okay for you to do that, which obviously it's not. And, mm-hmm. and the church is very clear and has always been clear about the, the you can't con- use contraception in any form uh, in, in the marital act to disrupt it, um, the unit and in the, in the procreative. But, uh, but then that, that same kind of story, that story of like all of a sudden when they thought things were going to get better and things were going to be free and they were going to be really available to have just this new kind of springtime in their relationship mm-hmm. and it caused so much conflict and problems. And then I know couples who, who were used to living their marriage using contraception, found the church's teaching, was invited to, to take that step felt by the grace of God stepped into learning about natural family planning, started bringing natural family planning into their marriage. And, uh, and they were just like, just so changed by this, like this, our intimacy is so different. Like it's just so, and it's so beautiful. So we were on a retreat one time and just off the side, they were telling me their, their beautiful journey, like with natural family planning and stuff like that. Cause maybe one of the, I think one of the presenters said something about it. And I was like, I'd love for you to share that with everybody on the retreat. So, um, I said, you know, we, and, and we got back together as a group and I said, you know, we were talking talking early in the presentation about, you know, um, natural family planning. And, and there was a couple that actually share with me a little bit about, you know, what it was for them. Would you mind uh, sharing, you know, what you said to me and uh, about how natural family planning is? And she was like, it's hard. 
I mean, it is really hard. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, I wanted you to tell me the good things. Like, it's just, it's so, it's so amazing. And it made your relationship so much better. But then, but obviously again, like the whole ebb and flow and the, the challenges yeah. that it brings, like if we want, like you can't get to Easter without going through Good Friday. You can't win the championship without going through the sacrifice and the training. You can't win the battle if you're not battle tested and battle ready. You can't go, you have to go through these training. And like, we want to throw that aside. And we just think that, well, I just, I I have this great emotional desire for it, and that should be enough to get to what I want. But that's what guys need to hear. Um, you, you know, I, right now we're having this recruiting issue in the military. You mm-hmm. know, and the Navy, the Air Force, the Army—they're sending like bonuses, and they're they're trying to, you know, reach out to the youth and say, "Hey, this is this is what you want—a good retirement, this and that." The Marine Corps will show up and be like, "You guys aren't tough enough for us. <laughs> it's hard." And then they, they're like lines out the door. Yeah. And I think what we're highlighting, and I think what you're highlighting really well is like, yeah, this is an adventure. And it's it's not easy. It is hard. But it will bring, like Clint was highlighting, like, it'll bring marriages together. There's yes. beauty. There's reality. You get to get to know your spouse more. You as a man will grow because there's sacrifice in natural mm-hmm. family planning. It's not easy. And going back to your point, like, again, the science is like, you, you, you laid out so beautifully, like, when a couple is going through the charting uh, phase and, and throughout their 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 charting for the NFP, like they're getting to know one another in a in a in a, a deeper, intimate, very um, like very intimate level, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's it, you know that's a beautiful gift. Like like my friend said, a school and a tool. It's a great teaching moment to teach more about each other and what each other they're going through. It's just, it's awesome, right? But you, you remove that. Like not, you, you got the morality issue that we can talk about like in the church's teaching and stuff like that. But there's also other things too, like you're saying, like the gift of being able to know one another and to walk through this together. Like you're robbing. And then also on top of that, the sciences where like you're feeding somebody the pill and it could be masking something in their body that the woman doesn't know what's happening. It could also be causing all these other complications that the woman doesn't know because she trusts her doctor because the doctor says I should be on it and and that's what I should do, right? And the pill is science and we should be a trust science. It's like, yeah, but we need to allow the science to reveal what the body and the biology is showing mm. us. Anyway. Well, and man, I, you know, I sometimes forget when I'm talking to men that I'm like saying these things and you're like, I mean, y'all know what I'm saying, but you're like, what? Like charting, like what is the practical reality of this? I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da. But I, I just want you to, to realize that there's, there's a, a huge number of women and men, but especially women who are looking at me sometimes after talking, like, why didn't I hear about this sooner? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. And there's a huge number of women who are in their thirties who are like, why the heck did no one tell me this sooner? Yes. You know, and in their twenties who yeah. are coming off the pill and they're having serious like responses to that and they're freaking out because they're like I don't I don't understand why I was given this thing before and it's it just masked this issue you know and the reality is and sometimes when I'm speaking you know I mean I don't know if I'll ever have this experience but sometimes the truth is it's so beautiful but it's so heavy they're like I'm so sorry but I have to tell you the truth like it's gonna be really heavy prepare yourselves you know but charting is hard like you know it, it again I think charting Honestly, because I'm a woman who knows the value of it. Do I chart perfectly? Absolutely not. Like I'm a human woman and I can make my own assumptions and that's different now entering into marriage. I have to take it in a different serious way, you know, versus when I'm monitoring health, but it's still valuable. Mm -hmm. But the reality is like it's an inbuilt way that God has given me as a woman to develop virtue. 
Yes. Right. What you're yeah. talking about on this podcast is habits, is discipline, is the need that you want to be great. Awesome. Not like suck it up and deal with it. But yeah. like, you know, I was listening to something last night. Maybe it's one of the videos you had sent me. I think I don't know if it was Father Michael or whatever, but about the heroic minute, you know, like not hitting like do, yeah, right. just like shut down that snooze button. And even I thought about this morning. I was like, ooh, that's like real. Like we need to whatever your thing is, you might be way past the snooze button. Praise God. Yeah. But these things are demanding and I don't think we do any service to women or men when we talk about, which y'all haven't done, you know, right. NFP is great and it solves all the problems. Like, no, NFP is hard. Yeah. It demands, it demands like sanctity and like commitment. And, you know, sometimes it just sucks. <laughs> like you're like the most natural thing right now would be to enter into this intimate space with you because we just had this beautiful conversation and we can't. So like, Lord, you have to help us to find you in this because this is yes. hard, you know? But on the flip side, I mean, there's a whole arena. There's so many women that are coming to fertility awareness methods, nothing to do with faith. Mm. They're coming because they're tired of putting chemicals into their bodies. They're coming because they're realizing mainstream medicine, and I am not a conspiracy theorist, and I love the gift of medicine, but I think on this issue, remember, values are what are driving all of these decisions. The birth control pill, one of the highest money-making things in the pharmaceutical industry. And I have met parents whose daughters are between the ages of 18 and 25 who have died because of being on hormonal contraception. Like that's how serious it can get. Now, those effects, that's the statistic is most women, are they gonna be affected by this? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if a woman's on it, she's gonna die. I wanna make that clear. But I'm saying, you know, for a time we didn't know perhaps, but now the science yes. has gotten to such, and there's still so much for us to learn because right. like science, is a gift from God and God is eternal. So I, I can't say that we're ever going to see the end of it, you know, but it has become so ad advanced mm -hmm. that there is so much potential to be found with infertility awareness methods that it's like my challenge is give it a shot and don't do it for a week. If you yeah, do it for a week, yeah. well, I mean, right. you would, all of you would know, like, what can you get done in a week? Like what habit can you change in a week? You need time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you can lean into that place, see how your body actually works. And I also want to speak, to the men who are maybe you love women who you see them and you're like, maybe this isn't the time to have this conversation or you see her and she feels like she's kind of caught in the cracks because maybe she struggles with infertility or maybe she struggles with endometriosis and she's like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to have kids. Like mm. there are women out there who they would give anything to be able to do these kinds of things. And I'm saying what charting can open up is I would argue the best that medicine has to offer you in terms of options for your reproductive health. If you do struggle with endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome or severe PMS or depression, but also, I'm, I don't want to take away like the, the suffering that you're experiencing, that it's not this like Band-Aid. Like yeah. charting, you know, the pill I feel like is much more of a Band-Aid. Let's yeah. shut it down. You're, I mean, literally you can see the hormones if you look at the research and the studies. I mean, that's what it is. It's shutting down. And we have to give woman room. Like maybe your wife is someone who she is curled up in a ball on the floor for three days because of yeah. something that she's experiencing. And so she got on the pill just to be able to go throughout her day. I respect that. Right. It may not be the time for her to change her mind, but it's that educate yourself as much as you can. And again, providing a place for encounter. And if you as men can let women know that they are not alone in right. this discernment, that's the best thing you can do. Because right. when I was doing all my research, I mean, I can't tell you, and I felt like my chapters would sometimes be reflected in the women who would come to me, because that's just the nature of my work. The women mm -hmm. are gonna come. I'll be at parties sometimes and people will be like, oh my gosh, can you tell me this about my mucus? I'm like, what's your name? You know, like, can we like take this a, is a Super Bowl party? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just want them to watch the game, yeah. guys. You know? yeah. But but truly, you know, if we can, if we can help women to really, to see like, you're not alone yeah. because 
I myself, when I was writing this dissertation, in the experiences I was having in my own personal relationships, you know, there's such a temptation within the feminine heart. The seed that we receive when man, in whatever way, if he is not faithful to his call as a man, and he is talking the talk, but he's not walking the walk, Mm -hmm. if you hurt me in that instance, then I'm going to be way more tempted to just shut down just a little bit. But the more it happens, right, the more I'm going to, when I say shut down, it doesn't mean to the world I'm not functioning highly. But to men, I'm like, like you've crossed my line. Get out yeah. my way. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's well, like so such this a is a really interesting point. And, and going back to like <clears throat> Margaret, right? And going back to the high school students who were like, it all started, all of these individuals for the most part were well-intentioned. They wanted to, to do the right exactly thing. They wanted to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a gap in education. There's a gap in science back in the 1900s. But mm-hmm. I don't think if you told a lot of these Irish Catholic men or, you know, Italian, Polish immigrants or Native Americans, like, hey, yo, all you need to do here, let me, let me walk you through charting. Like, you don't need to have 11 kids. Maybe you do because it's an agrarian society back then. If you want to, great. Um, you're a free man. Your wife's free. If that's what you want to do, great. But just so you know, here's education. I think, like, okay, cool. And, and I, if this is upsetting my wife, we can abstain. They probably would have. You know, I think... But I think what the pill does, it's almost like you guys are all idiots. So here, because no one is versus why don't you just educate them and allow the individual to make that decision and engage their will Mm -hmm. and their willpower. That's an interesting point. And I I think on that, a lot of this, yes, the women can chart and they're like, why didn't I know about this sooner? And maybe it exposes some things. They're like, oh, I didn't know I had this health issue or this or that. But it's not going to go anywhere if the guy isn't really on board and so this is to the guys on the fence like if you have a plan this too Mm -hmm. and i remember when we first go went down that path of natural family planning uh sadly i mean and i need to apologize to my wife like i was not like a good husband during that period i was throwing a pity party for myself like gosh what this is sure i'm on board but not really yeah, and, and my woman, wife felt you're like, that, I'm the gatekeeper. Know? Yeah, yes. she felt that. Mm-hmm. And, and we, and, we didn't have like this amazing, amazing conversion to, to it. You know, like there were some, some bumps and some sure. things along the road, you know, some, some starting and stopping. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, our, our commitment level graduated as we continued right. to understand more yeah. and to do it. And yeah. you know? to your point, like engaging in virtue, like, okay. This is good for my wife. This is good for like, okay, we've prayed about this. We've discerned about this. Now I also have to be 100% in. Oh, I, I love know? what you said about how it, how it, you get to know your wife on this much deeper plane. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that to me, because all the men I know love their wives, you know, fully, you know, with yeah. all their heart. And, but, but they don't, they, they don't have this. I mean, this is an even deeper understanding. Yeah. I mean, you said it so beautifully, (laughs) you know, it's, and, and and like you said, the, the, the physical revealing the -hmm. spiritual, I mean, that's really deep stuff and it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, if I may, and I say this completely respectfully, but there's something that I've kind of seen this trend and, you know, I'm, I'm working largely with the Catholic population. My goal is that this is for everyone. So however the Lord could open those doors, you know, but in essence, you know, there's so many, if you're listening to this podcast, you're trying, like, that's what I mm-hmm. want to like say first kudos to you. Like you're, you're making steps. You want to learn, you want to, and, and I just want you to be aware of, you know, if you're making the holy hour and if you're going on daily mass and if you're like working out, awesome, 
love it. All this is like around you forming habits and being disciplined and becoming like the, the strong man that you're called to be. But if you're doing those things at the expense of, mm. like if your wife is at home and she doesn't feel known and she doesn't yeah. feel seen and she doesn't yeah. feel appreciated, why would she want to open herself and reveal herself to you? You know, because I've seen, you know, oh, well, there, there can be this, this temptation and that's always, I mean, at a certain point, the enemy's not going to tempt us, right? That's just the rules of Ignatius. Like, I'm, I'm not going to shoot someone. Okay, great. So he's going to tempt me with the goods. Like, there's yeah. a lot of goods. And, and all Get of busy. you as men, if you're listening to this, good, 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 good. But what is the best? Like, where am I called to? And a lot of times our discernment becomes, I need to say more no so that I open up a place that my yes can rest and take root, you yes. know? And, and this isn't to say, don't do your holy hour, don't go work out. That's not what I'm saying. But... You know, if that becomes the place that we think we have to lean into and then the woman you're called to, which is your vocation, yes. feels invisible, feels less than those things, like God the Father is calling you to discover. I mean, we read the creation of Eve, like this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, because when he looked upon Eve, Adam realized this is a gift from the Father. Yes. And by loving Eve, I love the yes. Father, you know? And so that really is, if we're going to like cut it just simply, and you want to remember yes. one thing I say, it would be this, that as you choose to enter into the mess of what real life presents to you, which is it's not always clear cut, it's not always easy, and yet science gives us a lot of objective, consistent things that we can work with, right? Then you need to be willing to enter, to crawl into that interior space with your wife. And remember, she cannot read your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, oh, I did this thing because I love her. And she's like, great. I'm so grateful you did that. But like, that's not what I need right now. Or that like, it doesn't translate. I mean, y'all know, right? Like yeah. we just, that's the wash the dishes so, example. What you yeah. want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I just, that's like my, my challenge, I guess, to offer you is do not be afraid of the sacrifice that love demands of you. Yeah. Like if you want to be the best man you can be, and this goes for all men, it doesn't matter if you're not married and it, whatever your vocation is, like our vocation is to the present moment. Our vocation is to holiness now, today, right now, whatever time it is, the person that's in front of me in reality. But if you are married, right, or if you have daughters, if you have sisters, it's, it's being able to, to choose and, and really what NFP wants the world to know and what fertility awareness like invites us to, and this is what JP2 is hitting on, is that it's not all about me. You know, that the other, the other is the gift entrusted to me, that my vocation becomes clear. I know what I'm called to do as a man mm -hmm. because my wife is sitting in front of me and making demands of me, Yeah. you know? And, and when your wife realizes that you're coming at it, not from a place of like, it's, it's a proper form. Yeah. It's not this erroneous idea of submission where you're under me and I tell you what yeah. to do and you're obedient. Like, and that's, that's also bled into the church in ways that if you really yeah. want to see me fired up, that's a whole other podcast. But we as women and as men, like it's supposed to be a mutual submission that the man creates a space and a place for the woman that she realizes you love all of me, yeah. not just this part of me that can give you pleasure, not just this part of me that I look good on your arm at a party. Like I'm more than my beauty. I'm more than my intelligence. I'm more than all this because I'm a person and I have so many gifts, right? You, you are a mystery to not be solved but to be held and to be loved. Amen. And anything other than that is going to cause uh, hurt and pain in the process. Yeah. So we've got to be able to, to allow uh, men we need to take on the sacrifice and not just like the sacrifice that we think we should take 
it's the making an acceptable sacrifice and the only way we can do that is if we're being attentive to our beloved and attentive to our children like we can we can sacrifice all day long and we can get frustrated with it because we're like trying to do it our way why isn't she responding i'm doing all these things we'll find out what her needs are mm-hmm. and then as one of the uh, the guys um on the presentations um, Greg, he's got this great work on uh, marriage works in Christ. I believe that's his, uh, the name of it. But he's talked about like in, in these relationships, if a need is not met, then it becomes a demand and then mm. it becomes an emotional crisis. And so if we're not meeting each other's needs because we are each other's helpmate in marriage. Then we find ourselves in these situations. So we have to know our beloved. We have to know where her hit, the, the needs are and step into that space and sacrifice for that. And it was, I'm not sure if I shared this before, but I remember it came to mind when you were saying all that. It's like, you know, with all the things that we can be doing as men, like men like to do things. We want to bless and protect and take care of our families. And we do all that. And we, sometimes we forget who we're doing this for. This is not for myself. This is for God and for my family. And, um, and so like, there's a story of a Peter Craved who wrote a lot of amazing books on the faith. And he's uh, up at Boston college as a professor. And he was in this interview and the guy asked him like, what's your favorite book that you wrote? And Peter Craved answered the, uh, the, his question with what his favorite book was. And then the, 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 the guy doing the interview said, well, what's uh, what do you think is God's favorite book? And he stopped and he said, probably the one that I didn't write so that I could spend time, more time with my wife and my kids. Mm. And that's, again, making that acceptable sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord versus just thinking I've got to do things my way, which brings us back to this interior life to be able to, for me to, one, have this interior life with the Lord so that I truly know myself, an interior life with my wife, or your, with, the, with, your, with your spouse, to be able to know her heart so that then you be able to know how to give yourself properly to one another in love. And, you know, if I can offer this to, and it's such an interesting time, we're talking about, you know, sex education and the conversations probably all of our parents didn't have with us. And but when you think about it, it was such like kids used to go outside and play like that. What else are you going to do? Like go play, you right. know? And now they are bombarded yeah. with so many choice points. Whenever I give a talk to high schoolers, I'm like what's the first thing you did this morning? They're like brush my teeth. I'm like, what'd you do before that? They're like, picked up my phone. Yeah. And there's, there's no, we have to educate. I mean, we're giving them a super powerful tool. It's kind of unfair. I think at a certain yeah. point and we have to educate them on how to be responsible. But at an age where they're just trying to figure out who the heck they are and their prefrontal cortex is still developing. Like yeah. all of these things, right? Which are just natural to being human beings at that age. Um, but my challenge would be, I don't know if y'all have seen The Hidden Life. It's this movie. Yes. Okay. Everyone watch it. I'm <laughs> serious. It's, it's completely silent. The and, that, right? uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's based on a true story. I believe he might be at least servant He's of God. Bless it. Yeah. Bless it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it shows you, and I think this is the challenge is, you know, I've met so many amazing people through my, my work and I'm so blessed. And then some of them, I mean, I could count on a few hands, like have been honored with awards and stuff. Mm. I know so many people who no one will ever know their names, yeah. you yeah. know? And I think it can be very tempting when I have my phone in my hand or my laptop. And, and this is not to say that social media is a bad thing. Take it and use it as you will. But again, it's supposed to be a tool, not supposed to be our God. So if you are measuring yourself against a standard that you are receiving in when you're not even testing it, like your lens is sort of like low and just like not super prepared for it, you start to develop these like unrealistic expectations and ideas of what it needs to look like. And honestly, I think most of the things that are going to change the world, almost all of the things, if not all the things that are going to change the world, especially in the family, is how husbands love their wives and how fathers love their children. 
and no one's recording it when it's happening, you know? And I think that's the thing that if I could offer for you to consider is like, how can you, I'm not saying you have to roll your phone over with a car, though I want to do that sometimes, (laughs) but just put it, put it down. Like, how can you, and look, when you're telling, excuse me, telling teenagers this, I mean, it's like you're telling them to cut off their arms. So, you know, expect a bit of like, Resistance. things coming back but then again they're going to model you yeah so like are you listening when they're talking to you and, yeah. and look you got a lot of important stuff to do i get it i get it yeah but can you disengage from the temptation of again goods yeah but not what's best to realize that the vocation you've been entrusted to you are changing the world by loving your wives you are changing the world by loving your children mm-hmm. and whether you have one you have many or you have spiritual children the way that you invest as men like life begets life like you pour out and as a woman we're called to receive that but we receive it in essence so that that we can nurture and then send out you know it's it's never supposed to be this stagnant reality like that's what femininity breeds that's what masculinity breeds and when they come together again that new pentecost it's like we're sent out to bring God's fire of the spirit and love like that's what will change the world like mother teresa's like small things with great love yes. and i think just as men, you know, I think it's so tempting. I'm so glad I'm a woman. Like I have enough to deal with, but I know y'all have a lot to deal with. It's hard right now. But I mean, even just when y'all were talking last, I think podcast episode, at least when you interviewed Brian, like about pornography and like, there's this book, Father Elijah. I'm sure some of you read it. Love it. Michael D. O'Brien's the man. Oh, yes. Great yeah. Man, intense though. So I'm like, I got to put this down, move on, come back. But that part where um, it's like the Padre Pio figure. I don't even really know his name. I just thought it was Padre Pio. And he appears again, like usual. And he said, David, how are your gates? And he's like, my gates. And he's like, the gates of your heart. Mm. And David says, they're battered, um, but they're holding firm. Mm. And I feel like there's that, that space of the spiritual life is we have to, we have to like shore up our gates, guys. Like yeah. you need to really like, you can't compare to the guy next. What is your like Achilles heel? Figure it out. Like mm-hmm. the way that you can serve your wife and your children is figure out where your weak points are. I mean, I feel like you could speak to this in terms of even the military. Like there's, there's ways like we are in a war, we are in a battle and our, the guy who's in charge, like he's already won, but we're participating with him and he's never going to go over against our freedom. So it's this constant invitation that the best way you can love your wife, the best way you can love your children is to come to know yourself. What are your weak points? Shore those up. You're going to make mistakes. Don't be so prideful that you beat yourself up over it. And then you do it again. Like just ask for forgiveness, go to confession, keep moving. But like every single day is a new opportunity to pour yourself out to, to literally like masculinity is strength in the moment that reality as it presents itself to you is like, choose it now. Oh, I screwed up. Well, choose it now. You know, like you keep getting more opportunities because that's how grace works. Boom. Boom. I think this is a good time to do tax and takeaway. Let's do it. Jason, you want to start? Well, just Sarah, what you just said. I mean, I, I love the, just, there's so much about, and we have so much more to talk about, so we'll definitely have to bring you back on. we still got to finish that dialogue between JP2 and Margaret mm-hmm. Sanger. Um, yeah, the where pod- can find that, by the way? Well, I know there was a great podcast with Dr. There's Mario. And Jason Everett, I did Everett. one in January, yeah. So, um, I really check want to out, get it published, though, so we'll see. Check out both those uh, yeah, podcasts. Um, also, uh, I, I want to plug your, your website, uh, What Women Are. 
Uh, that's beautiful. Um, but to, as far as for me, just what just now what you said about the importance of there's a, there's priorities that we need to place in life. Like we, Stephen Covey said, right, first things first. Like I really need to make sure that I'm putting first things first. That I'm not I'm, as far as as a husband, as, excuse me, as a father. I need to make sure that I'm stepping into that space uh, for my children, and also making sure that I'm not compromising that time with the Lord and being able to allow Him to speak to me in that silence, which is hard to, mm-hmm. and to be able to be uh, attentive to where the Lord is leading me and and challenging me to step forward into those spaces and then when i fail to not get a pity party right not to like beat myself up but just go to the lord in his love and mercy and confession and get back on the field and win the game um so anyway i really appreciate your time and and that's definitely going to be one of the things i want to walk away with with a little bit more intensity yeah i think um a takeaway for me hitting life on my i mean it's one of my favorites i don't know if it was a bourbon but i started tearing up I mean, it's just like beautiful. <laughs> I did too. Um, and and I, I just, I guess another take was just thank you. Uh, thank you for the, your work. Thank you for your guests. Thank you for what you're doing for the church. Uh, I'm excited for you and Alex. Thank you. I also agree. Like, let's maybe like, I'd love to have you back on. Like, I'd love to be back on. Yeah, so whenever we'll wrap this up. Um, but I, I also just, the, the beauty of how you painted like natural family planning as, as a gift, but also the, the human person, the, the woman man the authentic the, the authenticity and the the vocation we're called to and then we're, we're called to be fully alive and to give glory to god um and how he invites how the lord invites us into that through our sexuality yes and um yeah you you have uh you have a lot in front of you a lot um so we're, we're praying for you thank you um we'll put website in the show notes anything there to to support your effort I and um that. Yeah, if there's anyone listening that wants to sponsor your your effort moving yes, forward, um, maybe we'll put contact information there. For yeah, you as that would well. be great. I really want to get that dissertation published as a major goal, and then like kind of as a, an accessible book for all women, but also for men to have an insight into woman's experience with just fertility and motherhood and the demands. But then also, I'd love to get that curriculum in high school. Yep. So, amen. Clint, thank you. Uh, first of all, thanks. I think it's been a great episode. Um, and just everything on, on, on NFP and just how you just so eloquently stated um, the, the, the importance, I think, is really beautiful. Um, and, you know, I, I have an eight-year-old son that I'm very concerned about initiating into manhood. I've been reading uh, Leaving Boyhood Behind, by yeah. the way. Great book. Um, but I also have three young daughters. So, um, and Jason, I'd love to, I'd love to get together with you at some point in the near future (laughs) to talk about raising young women. Um, I have an 11 year old and she's entering into, um, you know, womanhood. And so I I need some advice. (laughs) Um, and so I'm also very concerned about forming them correctly. You know, it's easier for me to look at my son and say, you know, he's my fishing buddy and I can kind of see, um, the, the path with him a little bit easier mm-hmm. i understand him a little more a little more i believe my and my daughters are a little bit more of a mystery to me mm-hmm. um and, and even my 11 year old daughter we we have some trouble sometimes relating to one another because mm-hmm. we're coming at things from from different directions so um i'm also very concerned about forming them correctly so i think uh just everything you had to say today is really a great education for me and just kind of that inspiration to uh 
to learn more. So thank you very much. Absolutely. And, and to kind of before we close, what you just said, Clint, again, the, the importance of why we brought this episode in to this season on masculinity is, is that in the presence of authentic femininity that I think men can really step forward and true masculinity f- blossoms even more. Um, and we need to understand the, the gift of women, the beauty and the mystery of women, not as a problem to be solved, but this mystery to be held. And I think that is calling us men as forward in, in our masculinity and our strength to do something really amazing for the world. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Doctor, any closing remarks on your end? Oh, wow. At first, just thank you all for letting me be on the show. Um, I really, I love what y'all are doing. I think, you know, I think what I often hear is a lot of our, our friends will talk about, you know, it's, it's easy for us as women. We're like, let's get coffee. Let's do this. Like I'll hold the baby and you can talk about whatever. But I think it's harder for, for men to be able to find the time to be able to make the effort to, to know which guy, you know, also to find guys they really want to lean in with that they can be encouraged. So I'm very grateful for what y'all are doing. And I, I'll be praying for y'all and, and just for this to continue to reach the men who really need it. Um, yeah. And other than that, just my encouragement would be, you know, to men, like if I could tell you one thing, it would be that you are like God's beloved sons and he is well pleased with you. So mm. however you come to this podcast, like however you are in this moment, whatever day it is that you're listening to this, it could be a year from now, it, whatever it is, this is the reality he's handed you and God's not finished with you yet. Mm. So my biggest encouragement would be like, do not give up. Like the Lord has not given up on you mm-hmm. wherever you are in your relationships and your vocation. Like, please, please, please. Like I, as a woman am begging you, like I, I desire a world for, you know, my future marriage and family and children, but really my work and all the women I work with, like the women I know that are still longing for men to step up, the women I speak to that I'm, I'm telling them men will step up, you know, when I'm talking to high school girls and college girls and I'm like, do not give up hope, Mm -hmm. you know, but for that to be actualized, it also depends upon the participation of men who they don't choose the easier way. And so I know that y'all have it in you if you're listening to this podcast, because you're making time for this when you could be doing a million other things. And so I would just say, like, do not be afraid of the demands of love. And that's first the demands of love from God the Father that he's asking of you in prayer, and then the demands of love of the women in your, in your life. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for, for listening, and may God bless you. Man, what another great show today. I want to thank all of our listeners for spending the time with us. I want to challenge you, if you've enjoyed this, please share this show with another husband or father that you know, or leave us a review on Google, Apple, or Spotify. We'll see you next time. Since the day I was born